played, and uh, we are very thankful for, there we go, sorry about that, and uh, so grateful for the songs. I enjoyed that trumpet special this morning. How about you? Did you follow along as the words were up there on the screen? It's neat not only just to hear music, but to hear the message of the words as well, and this morning I told Drew, I says, that fits so well in what I'm going to be preaching on this morning, and uh, that will be about uh, God's care for us. So if you take your Bibles, to learn, turn to Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7 this morning. And so in quick review, we've gone through a year and a half on the Sermon on the Mount, and last Sunday, he came down from Capernaum, or from the Sermon on the Mount to Capernaum. And there in Matthew 8 and 9, there are 10 miracles that are mentioned. 10 miracles that are mentioned. Now, Matthew is not in chronological order, all right? So we understand as we're studying the Gospels, that we understand Matthew is not in chronological order. And in fact, as you look at your Bible, how many of you have what they call uh, notes in the center or subcategories uh, in, right in the paragraphs of the message uh, that refer you in, to cross-references? Could I see your hands this morning? All right. Now, it's interesting that as you look at those, what you'll notice is that Mark and Luke, they stay in those sequences of time. They are chronological. But when you look at those cross-references, you'll notice that Matthew jumps all over the place, all right? So we want you to be aware of that. Matthew puts his material in there basically according to themes uh, because the Jews needed those themes. Uh, probably like us, we need those topical messages that help us to get some dynamic truths. And so uh, we look at those things, and we looked at the miracles last week, and we talked about this a little bit, that miracles in the Bible, and there were 35 of them. It's interesting, as you study miracles, how many are, are in the different Gospels, and which ones are unique to those particular Gospels that help you to catch the audience of the four Gospels, so that you understand that there are reasons of why there are miracles, them, like the feeding of the 5,000, and some other miracles that are really broad and base and very encompassing to all people, but then some specific miracles of these 35 that are found, and uh, some found just specifically here in Luke, that would add to his theme. And so as we look at these, these miracles are about credentials for Jesus and his disciples. They were sermons of biblical truth. And so as we look at this miracle this morning, we're going to see some dynamic truths that we need to get. There are attributes of God that are in these miracles that also need to be our attributes, all right? Because if we're going to be godly, that means we need to be God-like. Just like when we say, are you spiritual? You know, sometimes we don't even know what these words mean, isn't that correct? We, 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 we don't know what it means to be spiritual. In reality, what I'm going to talk about this morning is to be spiritual means to be spirit-led. Can I hear that again? To be spiritual is to be spirit-led. Okay, now let's remember that. 
very, very important for us to be spirit-led, especially when it comes to this aspect of caring for people. We've got a very important series that we're doing on Wednesday night called What Makes a Healthy Us? We're talking about this in reference to the church right now, and then we're going to get into other dynamics of our Christian life, but what makes a healthy us? And so as we get into these miracles, we look at them, yes, they're credentials, but they're sermons and truth. They're powerful, but oftentimes they're not persuasive. Now, to me, that's, that's hard to understand. It's hard to understand that Israel could go through a Red Sea experience and then three days later want to go back to Egypt. Do you find that difficult? But how many of us can relate to that? You know, I, I think of the, the amazing miracle that we sit in right here. Right here. We need to be reminded of God's strength and power. And it needs to be changing our lives. The same God of the Bible is the same God we worship today. Can I hear a hearty amen on that? Wow. By the way, listen to me. There are so many things that take place in the Bible that bring people to Red Sea experiences. And they're recorded here just like this passage here. They're there for helping us to understand who God is and what God wants to accomplish in our lives and to trust in Him. I'm not sure. I, I didn't have breakfast this morning. That could be my stomach rumbling. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll figure it out in just a little bit. There's a new headset that I've got here. Maybe that's what it is. See what we've got going on. Maybe this headset just likes to pick up some interferences. And if we need to change headsets, I'll be glad to do that. Or I can just stand right here. But that doesn't usually work out very well either, does it? We do want those that are on Facebook Live to uh, uh, to catch a uh, to the messages and everything. And why don't we just bring up a new headset? That would be probably the easiest way to go. We we always work on things. I was. I was battling uh, this week, and, and by the way, we battle. We battle things. Has it ever occurred that the old devil doesn't want us to hear the Word of God? I was uh, listening to a message. Oh, sorry, wrong button. Oh. Wait, that one? Oh, i got to use this other one now. This is going to be preaching out of the left side of my brain. That might be really difficult. <laughs> Sounds good, though. We got rid of that problem. So maybe that headset there, because we've never had problems with the other headset. So it might be that headset that we, we've been struggling with for a long, long time. But I was listening to this message, and uh, it was on the life of Job. Fascinating part there. Brother Jerry, you'd find this fascinating. Did it ever occur to Job or his friends that what was taking place was not of the things of God, but of Satan himself? Isn't that true? Isn't that amazing? Now God allowed it. We understand that. Isn't that true? But it never occurred to Job or his friends, at least as is recorded in the Bible, that what he was going through was a satanic attack. Let me ask you, can you go through a satanic attack? 
mean, I was telling Mike Week that Eugene, Oregon is the fourth most unchurched municipal in America. When we moved here back 38 years ago, they ran an article in the Register Guard that there was over 2,000 witches registered in Lane County. That was 38 years ago. Over 2,000. They call themselves white witches. Have you heard of Wicca? Well, white witches are black witches. If you're a witch and you're serving Satan and his cause, that's evil, isn't it? By the way, there's demonic worshipers that are out there that are praying for the preacher's failures. May we be aware that Satan is alive, but we need to fear God, not Satan. And God is our protector and our help. Amen? Father, I pray that you'll just take now the thoughts today, that you'll gather them to our minds and help us to gain uh, the heart this morning through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, that you might do a work in our lives. We thank you that even though there can be some interruptions and all, you have a plan. And there might be somebody here that needs to put their trust in the Lord, possibly for salvation or possibly for what they're going through in their lives. I pray that, Lord, that we'll be able to get it this morning. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just when I was saying that, I was thinking of Jake. He's gone to a camp this morning, but one of his favorite statements is, just get it. That's a good thing for us. Amen to that? Just get it. And the sooner we understand that God is in control, and yes, he does allow Satan to have his ways, and yes, he can lead people to the Red Sea, he is sovereign and in control of all things. And the sooner we understand that, and the more we believe and follow our Lord as he is all-powerful and an all-wise God, the better we can lay our heads upon the pillow at night. I don't know about you, but sometimes when the struggles come up, they're right here, aren't they? They're right there in your face. But may we, may we be reminded there's something right here that's more powerful. And that's the presence of God. And God comes and lives in our hearts. Well, this morning, you might be going through some struggles. By the way, Matt, it's good to have you back. Matt, would you just stand up? Let's welcome Matt home. Matt was on a mission trip to Ireland, was it? someplace and praise the lord it's good to have you back i hope that maybe we can have you share your trip to ireland and uh and all we helped support that trip and and all of some college students went there it's wonderful to share the gospel and to have some enjoyable time and see some of the world as well so we let god be in control of our lives we need to be spirit-led Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And Hebrews 11.1 1 gives credence to that. God is in control. We need to understand that. So we set our attentions now to the reading of scriptures in uh, Luke 7. And I'd like to just read verse 9 because that reminds us of this amazing miracle of the centurion who... Uh, was one of the two Gentiles that miracles took place by Jesus in the New Testament. He would be called the big man on campus. He was a uh, centurion and uh, had somewhere around 6,000 men 
under his command, and he had great faith. Notice what it says here, verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And then the great faith of the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus and wanted Jesus to heal her daughter. And uh, she wouldn't take no for an answer. Amen to that. God wants us to keep knocking. May God help us in that. So as we look at now verse 11, we're going to go into this other miracle that's found here in Luke, verses 11 through 17. And it came to pass the day after that he went into the city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him, and much people. And when he came nigh to the gates of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. He came and he touched the buyer and they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say, arise. And he came and he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up amongst us, and that God has visited his people. Wow. Wouldn't you like to have been there? But remember what I said last time? What is the greatest miracle that takes place today? Salvation that changes A dead man to a living man eternally. Praise God for that. Well, the Bible says that he went to this city, and uh, they're on our map, and they tell me on Facebook Live, you cannot see this, my little pointer up there, but uh, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, my, uh, you know what, that's the problem. Boy, we got a lot of problems today is the battery on this, so we're we're just going to, uh, you guys are just going to have to follow along back there, but you can look up on the map. We'll let this one go. You guys are, are sharp enough. You can stay with me. But you see up there where that little X is on the screen that uh, there is uh, uh, up uh, the Sermon on the Mount, then Capernaum. And then it's about 25 miles down to Nain. Nain. And so they traveled down there with this large entourage. And so my first point of the message this morning is what we see there in verse 11. And it came to pass. Do you know how many came to passes there are in the Bible? In the King James, there are 396 it came to passes. That's good for each and every day of the year, isn't it? It came to pass. Every day is a new day. Let me ask you, what comes to pass? Everything. <laughs> isn't that right? Everything comes to pass. Tomorrow is a brand new day. Don't let your past victories defeat you by pride. Don't let your past failures or losses define us 
because we focus on those things rather than on the Lord Jesus Christ. On Wednesday night, we had uh, a, a little part of a series of what defines us in our lives. And we, we talked about this. We talked about losses and we talked about failures and those kinds of things. And, and the devil wants you to focus on your successes and he also wants you to focus on your failures. Both of those are the wrong things to focus on. God wants us to focus on him every day is a new challenge and even though you might go through a red sea experience every day you might be challenged by what god has placed in your path and you need to keep your eyes on jesus hebrews chapter 12 says looking unto jesus the author and the finisher of our faith Colossians chapter 3 says, set your affections on things above. Isaiah 26, 3 says, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. These are amazing verses. Because again, in your face are the troubles and struggles and difficulties that come to us. But in your heart, it should be on the Lord Jesus Christ. So it came to pass, everything. It comes to pass. Then secondly, verse 12, it says that he came near. You see that? He came near. Now this comes in. It's amazing the timing of all this. Would you not agree? Here, the Sermon on the Mount. Then he comes down to Capernaum. And then it says, now in, uh, it came to pass on the next day. So the very next day, he comes and brings his entourage down from Capernaum, travels 25 miles, and he gets there just in time for a funeral. Is that coincidence? Just in time. So as he's coming into the city, they're going out to the cemetery. By the way, that can be either one of us, couldn't it be? If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, we're going to a city. But if you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're going to the cemetery. May God help us to ponder that and these thoughts and these aspects that are brought out here. And you'll notice here that this funeral was taking place. And by the way, the Jews buried their dead usually the same day that they died. There'd be possibly a wake for a few hours or that, but then they would take and bury them uh, immediately that day. We know Jesus Christ was taken off to the cross, and that day he was buried. We know Ananias and Sapphira, man, they were in church, and they both died, and they had two funerals right there that same day in church service. This widow is in despair. And you notice here, did you notice what kind of crowd was joining here? When this widow was going out to the cemetery, how many people were with her? Many, many with with her. So here's this entourage, and we're not sure how many is many, but much people. There was a big gathering. This was a big funeral. And as they're going out, there's a whole bunch of them going out, and there's a whole bunch of them. And so there is a big gathering here. Would you not agree? And it's interesting only son. Isn't this something? Two only sons meet together. One, the conqueror of death. The other, a dead man. That's a sermon in and of itself, isn't it? 
And as you see them coming, her loss is very real. And, 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 and we could say, oh, why? Here's this widow. And it is bringing out all these details so that we can, we can really see what's taking place here. And it says uh, that this widow and her only son, and there was the financial stability to a widow because widows were outcast in this society. And her son was given to her to help take care of her, and he dies. Do we see how destitute this is? We ask why. How many times have you asked why? The situations of life. Have you ever asked yourself why not? Sometimes we have too high of an opinion about what we deserve. God's grace is evident here. But God's grace should never be taken for granted. Would you agree with me on that? God has a plan. Remember when Lazarus died? You know, he tarried in the city and he came there and they said, Oh, hey, if if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. Has it ever occurred to us that God allows death and he has a plan even through death? By the way, it says it is appointed unto man, what? Once to die and then after that the judgment. So many people are caught up with the temple rather than the eternal. And these stories in the Bible are showing to us, yes, human suffering and human problems. And the Bible says, as one man entered in this world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We're all going to die. And yes, loss is real. But God has a plan through the difficulties and struggles that we go through. Look back on your life. Would you agree with that statement as you look back on your life? Oftentimes when we're going through those things, it, it seems very tough. In fact, if you turn just to, you need to know where Colossians, or excuse me, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is. You need to know where it is. You say, well, it's after 3. Well, yes, but you need to know what's in it, all right? 2 Corinthians, I don't have it up on the screen, so if you turn your Bibles there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. I find this very comforting. And somehow, some way, we have got to change our minds to be more spiritual, being more spirit-led. Even the, the tragedies and struggles that we go, there needs to be more trust. Rather than focusing on the tragedy, we need to trust in a sovereign God. And I'm, te- I'm preaching to myself this morning. Am I preaching to anybody out here? We go through these things. He says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's talking about there, we need to be the lights in this world. And then he goes on and he describes the very dark things that come into our lives. And he wants us to shine through the darkness. And so as we say that Eugene is the fourth most unchurched municipal in America and all the demonic activities and all the struggles, we need to understand that God wants our light to shine in darkness. By the way, I love verse 7. Some of you have caught hold of that verse 7. 
It says, but we have this treasure, this gospel, this light. This is in our side, in our soul. God says he came to light men's soul, and we are the light of the world. He says, we have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. Do we know what earthen vessels are? There are bodies. In the Greek, do we know what earthen vessel means? It is a dirt pot. That's a translation there. We are dirt pots. Now that sounds like a thing that will build your self-esteem. You don't build your self-esteem by the external. Your self-esteem is a Christ-esteem because we have a treasure. And this dirt pot is going to be shed someday. Boy, that gives kind of light to how we pamper it and how much we spend on it and how we take care of it. We take far better care of our bodies than we do our souls. He goes on and he describes all these troubles. You see this in verse 8? Troubles, persecution, and uh, bearing the body of dying, and all these things, knowing that we have will be raised up. Someday we're going to be, this body, talking about that, this body will be raised up. We believe that the soul, when it dies, goes immediately to the Lord. But someday, in the rapture, or in that resurrection, there is going to be a resurrection of the body. He says all these things in verse 15. All these things, all these struggles. He just listed. You can go back and reread those things. We don't have time for it this morning. He says these are for your sake. That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. As we give thanks through our struggles, it redounds to the glory of God. He says we don't want to faint. You know, he puts that in there because guess what? It is easy to faint through the struggles of our lives. Amen to that? I can't tell you how many times I faint. We not though the outward man, that dirt pot part of us, it may it may perish. But the inward man where that light is in the soul, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within. It's renewed day by day. We can have strength even through these struggles of our life. And he says our light affliction. Now this is Paul saying this. This light affliction which is but for a moment. The things that we go through. Remember, it came to pass. There are real struggles out there. This morning, our dear sister Carolyn Johnson, and oh, I'm telling you what, she is a gem to Westside Baptist Church. She's laying in the hospital right now in pain and suffering because of diverticulitis, and we need to be praying for her and praying for Wayne. Isn't that right? But these things are but a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen. But the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. What creates so much turmoil in my soul? And if I were this widow here and my only son had died, there would be great turmoil in my soul. It came to pass. He came near. And then it says, 
that God cares. You notice there, as it, as it says, it came to pass, he came near unto the city and there was much people. And the Bible says in verse 13, he saw and had compassion. Now, God wants us to, uh, if we could turn to, uh, you don't need to turn there, but we'll go to Exodus 22. It says, ye shall not afflict the widows, the fatherless, the child, if thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. By the way, that might be one of the good verses for you widows to memorize. And when some scam comes across from a telemarketer on your phone, just read them that verse. Does God see and does God care about the widows and the fatherless? How are there people out there taking advantage of those in dire need? You see, just the opposite is taking place here, is the one comes along and has compassion to help those. Wouldn't it be wonderful, ladies, that are widows and uh, maybe some of our orphans here this morning, if someone called you up and says, listen, I'm coming over and I'm going to give you $10,000. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? By the way, we have widows funds here. It's wonderful. The Browns, when they passed, they wanted to establish a window fund. That's been going on for, what, 15 years probably now and all. And we actually, we give out of that fund to take care of our widows. Our deacons are to be spirit-led and sensitive to what the needs are of our widows. And as they've been given to our various things, including house repairs and medical needs and things like that, we, we try to help out of that. It's amazing as God uh, directs and everything, we've invested that money and other monies in our church and invested in those things. That widow's fund is actually about 4000 or $5,000 more than when it started 15 years ago. I think of the Coleman Fund as Brother Coleman uh, and, and Mrs. Coleman uh, gave to help kids go to college. Isn't that right, uh, Ben? You got a scholarship this year. Uh, Brother Matt, you got a scholarship. You've gotten three scholarships from there. This past year, we gave out $15,000 in that Coleman Scholarship Fund. And by the way, that scholarship fund started with $40,000 plus his home. His home is there. We're renting that home. That $40,000 uh, has now come to be about 75000 And you say, how does that happen? God gives wisdom as you're spirit-led. And you want spirit-led people to take care of those finances. On Sunday nights, we take up funds to help those in need. It's called the Deacon's Fund. And it is so important for us to be looking to see who has needs. Because let me give you just a little bit of concept. Can you stay with me just a little bit longer t today? Is that all right? Maybe about 1 or 2 o'clock we'll get out today. Is that okay? Let me give you a few more verses in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18. It says, He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widows, and loveth the stranger. That was great to shake hands with folks this morning, wasn't it? Man, we need to be friendly. And to have friends, the Bible says you must show yourself friendly. And, and to, in giving him food and remnant, raiment. Psalm 6, 8 says, Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hears the voice 
of my weeping. God listens. God watches. God knows it. James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. We talk about religion. You know, getting saved is a relationship. When he talks about religion, he's saying we need to bind ourselves together to take care of the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep yourselves, ourselves, unspotted from the world. Boy, that's a good verse, isn't it? James chapter 1. In verse 27, we see him coming to this widow. God cared about the widows in the Old Testament. Elijah came to the widow of Zarephath, and she was a Gentile widow. Elijah came when that widow of the prophet had the prophet had died, and the widow said that she's going to have to sell her sons to pay for her debts. Remember what Jesus, or not, excuse me, what Elisha did there? Brought the pots of oil and lived on that the rest of her life. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly about what we uh, ask or think. So he came, uh, he, <clears throat> uh, it came to pass, he came near, he had compassion, he saw, he notices. My friends, can I say that this is a godly characteristic is to notice what's going on in the lives of others. And I want to encourage you, as uh, Dr. David Gibbs would say, don't ever resist a generous impulse. Now I want to say this, you must be spirit-led when you are helping others. And you need to know the difference. Because some people have needs because of disobedience to the Lord. Yes or no? And I personally consider it unwise to step in to avert the judgment that God is putting on a person. David says, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. This widow was not really even asking for help here. I'm not sure she even knew who Jesus was in this story. But I caution ourselves. In my 38 years of ministry, I can't recall a time when someone who is doing and being faithful to the Lord has asked for finances. say, preacher, that sounds unkind. No, I'm going to tell you something. Paul says, I'm telling you the truth so that it's good for you to know that. Can I say this? Now, hear me out. Hear me out. I believe, I personally believe that all of us need to cast our cares upon him who cares for us. The Bible talks about knocking, seeking, asking, yes or no. You know, last night, we are trying to make plans for my wife to go and see her sister and everything like that. And as we're looking at our summer calendar, Pastor Nathan, it is a busy uh, uh, schedule. Tonight we're going to be sharing with you what's going on this summer. I hope you come back at 5.30 tonight just to hear what's going on there and to hear about revelation, about what's going to happen after we're gone from this world. And then to meet our intern, Josh. He's going to be here tonight, Lord willing, if my airline gets him here. And uh, <laughs> that's a big joke. A- anyways... Uh, and, and then we have that barbecue and things like that. But as we were looking and trying to prepare for things, we, I, I, you, you, get, you ever get a little frustrated? And then all of a sudden we decided, you know, why don't we pray about this? Is that a good idea? God, would you help us to figure this out? And all of a sudden, God puts together the plans. God put together the plane 
and it came to pass. Well, I'm so thankful. And then I told my wife, I said, honey, I, I don't know if I really want a, a book on this line because it's better sometimes just to go to the airline. Brother Larry, I decided we'd go to the airline. And when we went to the airline, they offered a credit card. They said, if you sign up for this credit card, you'll get $100 off your ticket. That's all right. Plus, we'll give you two free tickets. That's okay. Can God lead us along in those things of our life? Just put him first. I feel sorry for those who will not trust God with their finances. How is it that we could give less than what the Old Testament minimal is required? I can't say enough about this. Do you get what I'm saying? I hope we do. Be spirit-led. Be spirit-led. We want this congregation to be spirit-led. Here in this, this need that she has. And yes, we have to be spirit-led so that we don't come and enable people in the disobedience of what God has allowed. I was reading in Ezra chapter 1 where the king says, listen, I'm going to put out there the finances needed to rebuild the temple. After 70 about years there, God opens up even a wicked man's heart to meet the needs of the Israelites as they come back into Israel. God can open up people's hearts and do things exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. Get it! Please! We shortchange ourselves because we don't trust God. And in this story, we see compassion. And I believe we are supposed to be filled with compassion. And yes, we're supposed to be looking to help those people. And we need to be careful about being judgmental and those kinds of things. We need to be spirit-led and let God take control of these things. God knows. And we ask Him, God, I, I want this brand new shiny Cadillac. God knows whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for you. Do you not agree with that? He knows our needs, even before we ask of them. I love that aspect of this. It came to pass. He cares. He has compassion. He came and he touched this uh, uh, casket here. I, I'm not so sure that he touched the body as it says in Numbers chapter 19, verse 11. It says, he that touches a dead body of any man shall be unclean seven days and whosoever touches one that is slain with a sword in the open field or a dead body or bones of a man in a grave or a grave shall be unclean seven days that's the old testament ceremonial law by the way we understand there's ceremonial laws of the old testament there's moral laws of the old testament and there is civil laws of the old testament so understand that and it says here in verse 14 he came he touched uh, and the pallbearers there stood still, and he said, young man, arise. And what did the young man do? He stood up, or sat up, and he spoke. Wow! <laughs> what do you think he said? I think he said, hey, this is cool. Coming back from the dead. Look at all these people that came to my funeral. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Ernie, you sit up at a casket here and say, wow, look at all the folks that came. That must have been pretty popular. No, 
God has a miracle. God has a plan. God has a direction. Even through a widow losing her only son. Do you agree with that? You see, these events are recorded in the scriptures so that it might build our faith. When we go through these things and we cry out the Lord, this woman does not cry out the Lord, but God comes and God does exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Because we have a God who was touched in all points as we are yet without sin. And it says there in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, that therefore we can come boldly before the throne of grace. I hope this morning that, yes, we see our part in this aspect of helping others and not resisting a generous impulse, but also understanding that we have a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Man raises from the dead. Quite a miracle. But notice what else was the results of this. You see else the results? What came upon the crowd? Great fear. Is fear a good thing? It really is. In awe. In awe. In awe of what our God can do. I'm afraid that the average Christian or churchgoer today has lost sight of the fear of God. In Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 3 7 says. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. So what did we get out of the message this morning? We're going to give an invitation. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. We saw in here. It came to pass. Maybe this morning God has spoke to your heart about things that you're dealing with in your life. Maybe you see a God who comes on the scene in the sovereignty of God. That he's allowed not only the difficulty of this widow's loss, but the connection of the Savior coming and the timing together. Don't lose sight of that. You know, we, we let life pass us by. We take those, it came to pass, as really, it just comes to pass. It just happens. Rather than focusing on, what has God got in these connections? He has compassion. He touches. He gives back. Fear and praise come. Maybe God speaks to your heart this morning about the need of greater compassion about the needs of others. Maybe God has spoke to your heart about being spirit-led and making sure that we're just not throwing off what God tells us. Let me tell you something. The Creator, the universe, wants our attention this morning. He wants us to focus on what does He want us to do. And even in this invitation, the decisions that we make, we need to either write them down, come to this altar, get on our knees and say, God, help me to be more compassionate. Lord, help me to, to be more spirit-led. Lord, help me to, to understand the sovereignty of God when I'm going through these struggles. Lord, I've complained or I've fought or I've struggled with those things that you're allowing in my life and understanding that, that this old dirt pot is someday going to be passed away and we're going to live with God for eternity and you have a far greater plan than what I have. And we're not to lean onto our own understanding.
But in all of our ways, acknowledge him. Whatever God might be speaking to you, maybe you're that widow or maybe you're that person that the struggles of your finances or the struggles of your losses or those things are very, very real. Come knock on Jesus' door and ask him to work. God has ways of doing things that far surpass our imaginations. Surrender to him. We're going to sing, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. As the piano begins playing this morning, I wonder, our counselors or those that maybe the Lord has spoke to your heart, or this morning you just in one of these aspects of things saying, Lord, I just want to have this greater compassion, this greater trust, this greater understanding of your sovereignty or being spirit-led. Oh, God, you spoke to my heart. Now I want to do something about it. You come on the verses the piano plays. Let's stand to our feet. You come, we'll sing in just a moment, but you come. If you're not saved this morning, I encourage you, if you're not sure of your direction of heaven, to come this morning. Let's sing it together.